You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We're just going to pick up the fourth Mishnah of the fourth chapter. So we're in the fourth and the fourth. And we're going to deal with arbitrage. You might call it tax avoidance. We're going to deal with getting out around the rules. And we're going to be surprised by the fact that the Mishnah seems to condone getting round the rules, as if it seems to want to make it easy for the Jewish people to fulfill these mitzvot. In a minute, we'll jump into the text. But before we jump into the text, and in order to understand where it's coming from, I just want to repeat some of the principles of Marseille Sheni, which we've covered in the last few weeks. All related to redeeming Maser Sheni for money. We've already learned that if the distance to Jerusalem is too far, one can redeem the Maser Sheni to produce for money and travel with the money to Jerusalem. And we learned at the end of the third Mishnah in chapter 4, we, end, we learned at the end of the last Mishnah that when we redeem one's own Maser Sheni for money, one has to add a fifth. And this is the Talmudic fifth. So actually, we, we would say we add a quarter. The total ends up as five quarters, of which one fifth of the total has been added by the owner. And one of the surprising features of halacha is that a non-owner does not need to add the fifth. In other words, you can buy Maser Sheni, you can exchange Maser Sheni for money at market prices. Only the owner himself or herself has to add the fifth when they redeem. And of course, this difference between halacha for the owner and the non-owner, the fact that the non-owner does not need to add the fifth, provides an opportunity for arbitrage and for tax avoidance. And we're going to see this play out in much of the rest of the chapter in the next couple of days. I also want to remind you, because we're going to come across these halachot today in, in the third mission that, that we look at today, that we always use, we learned this at a very early stage, we always use the local market price at the place where we, we redeem. Yeah, if we transport from A to B and redeem in B, we use the price of B. And I think it's implied, but we'll clarify today, that we always use a time-relevant market price. So we use an up-to-date market price, very similar to the situational valuation which we looked at at the end of last week, where in case of doubt, we would look for three bids or three offers. We always use a time-relevant market price. And, you know, we might have had a previous contract for sale, and contracts for sale can stand at previous market prices, but the redemption price is always a live market price. So those are the principles. Let's jump into the text now. And just to remind you of the end of the third Mishnah. The Mishnah, the, the third Mishnah ends. Someone who redeems his own Masar Sheni. He puts on a fifth. Even if it's his. Or even if, it, even if it, it was originally his, or whether it was his because it's given to him as a gift. So if you redeem your own Maser Sheni, you add a fifth. But now, 
Let's jump into the fourth. Let's jump in now to the fourth Mishnah. It's really interesting that the Mishnah begins. Ma'arimin, you can be deceptive. One can be deceptive. Al ma'aser sheni. Arema, aremut is deception. It's an anagram actually. Aremut is deception. It's a biblical word. The serpent in the Garden of Eden is described as arom, arum. We can be deceptive or, or tricky in terms of Masershini. How does it work? You could say to your grown-up son or your daughter or to your Hebrew slave or he or manservant. These are all people with agency, with capacity. The Rambam comments here that when we have a Hebrew slave, we only purchase the work of his hands. We don't actually purchase his body. He's like a hired servant. So these are these, these examples, the grown-up son, the daughter, the Hebrew slave, the female slave. These are all people with their own capacity. And we can say to them, Take this money and redeem this ma'aser sheni for yourself. In other words, you give the money to someone you know, and you get them to redeem it. And of course, they're redeeming ma'aser sheni, which is not theirs. So they don't have to pay the fifth. And then the Mishnah continues, You can't say that to your son or your daughter who are minors, or to your Canaanite slave, because, of course, they essentially are part of your household. And the Mishnah is, if you write, the Mishnah is falling back on the legal definition of a minor as part of your household. It's it's willfully, willfully choosing not to look at the fact that the practical definition of someone of your household really does include someone who's an, an adult son or adult daughter. But the Mishnah is going to make it easy for the Jewish people to redeem without paying the extra fifth, just by relying on the legal definition only of someone who's really part of your your, your financial estate. And it's going to give a second example. Someone is standing on the threshing floor and he's got no money in his hands. He can say to his friend, Look, I'm going to give you this fruit. So it's not his fruit anymore. It's his friend's fruit. And of course, his friend, if he now redeemed it, would need to pay the extra fifth. But, his friend would need to pay the extra fifth. But the original owner doesn't, because it's not his fruit anymore. These should be redeemed with the money that's in my house. So he hasn't even brought his money to the he hasn't even brought his money to the threshing floor. It's an off-balance sheet transaction. But he's effectively converted the Maser Sheni into the money that is sitting in his house. Both of these are legal fictions, and we'll learn a little bit more about these later in the chapter. But in between, the Mishnah is going to do a little discursus about market pricing. Mashach, mipnei ma'aser basela. He took, someone took possession of ma'aser sheni for a seller. Now, we've learned before that when you take possession, when you form a legal contract for movable objects, you need to move the object. You need to you so the 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 okay mashach means to pull, 
And that's the term used in the Mishnah, but a set, you can think of it as lifting it up. When you lift up the object, the contract is formed, even if you haven't yet paid for it. And looking at, we learned looking at it the other way around, by the way, that paying for it without lifting it up doesn't create a contract. It's somehow it's in, in the the in law of contract in the Mishnah, the Talmud, the act of picking up the object is the act that creates a contract to purchase movable goods. Um, land is different, as in English law, actually. Land is different, but for movable goods, picking it up creates contract. So he, we've created a contract. Someone has contracted to buy Ma'aser Sheni for seller. He's clearly not paid for it. Before he had time to, to redeem it, i.e. to pay it, to pay for it, the market price had gone up to two sellers. What can he do? Well, he gives him one seller. The contract was for one seller. Absolutely. But what's happening? What's, what's the significance? What's the... Um, he gives him the he gives him the one seller. Um, he makes a profit of one seller because the Maser Sheni is now worth two sellers. U Maser Sheni Shelo. So the Maser Sheni, the profit, that he's now actually got two sellers worth of Maser Sheni, and that's what that's what he has to eat if he needs to redeem that again. Or needs to eat it in Jerusalem. He's got to eat two sellers worth of Maser Sheni. Goes the other way too. Mashach Mimenu Maser Bishtaim. He contracted to buy Maser Sheni with two uh, with two sellers. Velohi speedily for the Ad Sheam Madbasela. Ad Sheam Madbasela. The price of the market price had dropped to one seller. He gives him. He now now this is where it gets interesting. He can give him a seller of Chulim. And a seller of Maser Sheni, because he can the, the redemption value, even though he's contracted to pay two sellers for this Maser Sheni, the redemption value is now only one Maser Sheni. So, from the point of view of the law of contract, he has to pay two, but the redemption price is only one, and that's why he can give him one seller of Maser Sheni and one seller of Chulim. And the recipient, of course, then has to deal with those two types of coins separately. And then the Mishnah concludes, Well, this is the printed text, and I'm, I'm just going to try to refresh it because I changed this source sheet slightly and... The Kaufman has a different reading. Kaufman reads... Mi damav from his money. So we have two readings of the Mishnah. We have mi damai. He gives him from damai. In other words, from money which is um, money which is linked to maser sheni for produce which is dubiously tithed, which might have had maser sheni already taken out of it. Damav is his money. And the Rambam and the Barthenuri actually read this Mishnah differently. Clearly, they've got different texts. The Rambam reads it as Damai. In other words, that 
if you're dealing with an Amar Aretz, you wouldn't give him real Maaser Sheni money because you wouldn't trust him to deal with that properly in its proper way by taking it to Jerusalem and eating it in Jerusalem. So that's the Rambam. The Bartonur actually mentions, and the Bartonur, by the way, follows the Kaufman manuscript. In reading Damav, he should give him out of his money. And, and Bartonur explains there, that means he should give him out of his chulin money. In other words, you just give him ordinary, ordinary money, which is not Koresh at all. And look, it's a puzzling, it's a puzzling close to the mission. We're actually not sure which way round to read it. And uh, I can't, I, I mean, I, I, both readings seem like they might be rational. The Kaufman, I mean, the, the Rambam is very careful normally about his manuscripts and he makes sense reading Damai. But Kaufman is the most reliable manuscript we have and it reads Damav with Bartonura. So I just leave it to your choice. And, um, Tomorrow we'll learn more about other kinds of financial arbitrage and deception. But that's all for today. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.